0: Welcome to another episode of Crime spree. How are you? It's been like a month, I think. <laughs> it's been several weeks. love that. How was Alaska? same i love that those would be my people wow really i would not have expected that i guess it is like the tail end of summer Sea lions? That is not bad at all. Was that like does that include like your food and stuff or do you have to pay for that too? Ooh. Okay, fair enough. So that's like $1,500 for an all-inclusive vacation. That's cool. How was the cruise ship itself? I've always, I'm like, I would be very interested to see if I would be a cruise type person. Because on one hand, I'm like, it's great because everything you need is right there. And then on the other hand, I'm like... But so is everybody else and you can't get away from it. And that's kind of annoying. (laughs) I love that. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. While he played the piano, like he's doing flips and shit. (gasps) Oh, that's interesting. (gasps) No, that sounds like a blast. I love bingo. Mhm. That's awesome. That sounds great. Um, I worked a bunch, and then I took a vacation, so Rob was on fall break, and he gets two weeks for a fall break, so we drove down to his family's house in Georgia, just, and I like worked for both of his parents' house, but then, sorry, so I'm not caught up on sleep yet, then, um, a hurricane came through the south, and I decided to drive directly into it to Charleston, (laughs) and... We went with my two best friends, Vicky and Dax, shout out, and we went to Charleston, and I helped Dax propose to Vicky on our first night there, so they got engaged, and then they spent the first day of their engagement um, quarantined with us, and, not quarantined, but like stuck in a house with us because there was a hurricane happening, and we couldn't leave. But we luckily never lost power, and it never flooded like our house or anything like that, so we were very, very lucky, um, and then we got to enjoy the rest of the weekend. But I will say, I'm going to air a grievance about Airbnb, because this has just become a, a, a an anti-Airbnb stan podcast, I should say. So we booked this room, like, I don't know, two months ago. So at some point, we realized that the hurricane is, like, going to cross over Florida, hit the Atlantic, and then come back. it's going to come back directly at Charleston. So originally, it was supposed to be a tropical storm, and we were like, maybe we should cancel. So we messaged the guy on Airbnb, and he's like, hey, it's not a hurricane. It's just a tropical storm. You can't cancel. And then we were like, right, we understand it's a tropical storm, but we're going to be driving towards the coast. We're concerned about flooding or hurricane winds, you know, et cetera. And he's like, it doesn't flood here except for in the usual spots. And we're like, what is a usual spot of flooding? <laughs> so anyways, and then it gets upgraded back to a hurricane one, but we cannot get our money back unless there is an evacuation order, like set by the city. So we go anyways, Rob's pissed. Cause he's like, Cheryl, we're going to die in a hurricane just so this couple can get engaged. And I'm like, yes, we absolutely are. And we're going to Charleston. And we try to come up with a few plans. Honestly, the engagement was like plan Like, W, from everything that we had planned. So we go, and during Friday, which is when the main hurricane hit, the entire street in front of us is flooded. Like, we took a picture of a fire hydrant that was, like, covered up to the tippy top. Like, flooded. And I guess we were on enough of an incline that that wasn't really an issue for us. But it's like, bro... It doesn't flood except for in the unusual spots, which are the two streets directly in front of the building that we're renting. It was pretty crappy. Until they're there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, it is. But And we had talked about that, but we wanted, because it was like a group of us, we wanted a space that would have like a kitchen and a living room and stuff that we could chill out, which ended up working out well because we had to like cook food and stuff because we couldn't cook it we couldn't go out to eat. Um, so anyways, it ended up working out really well, but it was just like a pain. Like the Airbnb guy kind of pissed me off about that, but it was wonderful and we got engaged and it was a wonderful trip and yes, shout out. And so now I get to plan a bachelorette party and lose 20 pounds. So it's going to be great. I was the only one, I was the only person that did cry, like, I was so sure that like Dax was going to cry and he didn't, and then Rob was just, Rob is, he's, he's one of those people that like, when something is really emotional, he just starts like grinning or like kind of laughing in a way, like that's how he processes his emotions, so he was just like grinning the whole time, and yeah, it was great, but we had like a photographer hidden, and they took these beautiful um, engagement photos. It was a great time. I had a blast. Made me very happy. And So no, Uh, for a minute there, I was trying to like help them come up with ideas. And then at some point I was like, this really isn't my wedding, nor is it my decision. And so like my input does not really matter unless it's asked for. So I just sort of asked for some details of like, what would you want to do for a bachelorette party and like how many people would you want to invite and stuff like that? And then it's like, all right, keep me posted. And like, here's a really cheap venue that I saw on TikTok. Like take a look, you know, that type of idea, but it's still a ton of fun. I know me too. I will also say if you have ever been, um, upset that a friend of yours or someone that, you know, had a wedding and you were not invited, you need to reevaluate that because weddings are incredibly expensive and I will never again feel slighted that I did not get invited to somebody's wedding. It's like, honestly, I wouldn't pay for me either. You do you. Yeah, that honestly annoys me. I'm like, I mean, I would probably be annoyed if somebody was like, you can't invite Rob, who's like my husband. But if I'm, if you are not married or like long-term with another person that I also know. No, you're not invited. I'm sorry. Mhm. hmm <laughs> hmm Why? They spend too much money on it? Oh... I when I was getting married, my whole thought process was if somebody's gonna write me a blank check to have a wedding, I will have the most kick ass wedding of my dreams. But weddings in general are just incredibly expensive and it's like if I'm I didn't wanna spend like seven thousand dollars to have like an okay wedding, you know, because that's like a lot of money. Because the dream wedding that I want to have is actually like 20 grand or something. It's like, that's still kind of a waste of money. And so like what we did is we eloped and then we had a family only reception a few weeks later and it was in like South Georgia. It was close to where Rob's family's from. We just had a dinner and a photographer and then like beer and wine, no liquor. And like I bought it. I literally went to Walmart beforehand, bought a bunch of blue moon and red wine and that was it. And it still costs like a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, and like a cool photographer. Yeah, any of that. I do love that. Exactly. Actually, when I got married, um, we got married in Raleigh and I hadn't lived here for that long. And so we asked Rob's sister, like if she knew anybody that would be willing to take our photos, like we didn't want to hire like a quote unquote real photographer, but she had a friend who like is a photographer, but isn't like, she's like a full- yeah. She's like a full-time mom. And so she did it for like a couple hundred dollars and that was amazing. And now, um, her name's Alex and we're like very, very close friends. And the first time I ever met her, she was like photographing my wedding. Yeah. It was great. So. Okay. So I have not watched the Dahmer series. Okay, cool. I was worried that you were going to ask me about it, but I've just, I've been in Georgia for the last week and then I was on vacation and I can't kind of, I can't really watch that stuff around like Rob's family. So I was just like, "Mm." but I knew, I knew we were going to bring it up. Um, yes. Yes, and I think it's really important to remember that Jeffrey... Well, Jeffrey Dahmer was a real person, and he was a real monster to his victims, and these victims were real people who were murdered and tortured and just, like, came to very, very tragic deaths. And it's not like... Yeah, and to me, I think the way that we treat like true crime serial killers is the way that we treat like, um, like the Joker from Batman. Like he is everybody's favorite villain. Like we love the story of the Joker. He has all these movies. Like it's great, but the Joker is a fictional character. And so we're able to do that with him. Like we love when he's a bad guy because it's a fictional story and we can root for his story arc or whatever, Jeffrey Dahmer is a real person. We should not be rooting for Jeffrey Dahmer. We should not be romanticizing him. We should not be sexualizing him like. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And also, he's, like, not. <laughs> Here's what I, I think that when people within the story are like, Ted Bundy was so attractive and that's how he got away with anything, with everything – I can believe that for people who have actually met him because they're like, because he could be, I would imagine, I'm sure that he was a a proper sociopath and he was incredibly charming and he, and your personality and your charm becomes a a part of your physical attraction. So I'm sure that that's true. But like in general, he's just an average looking like suburban white dude with a unibrow. (laughs) Yes. Oh, 100%. Uh, Ted Bundy is one of the strongest cases that I have for supporting the death penalty. And I go back and forth a lot on it. I'm not going to lie. And it's kind of a case by case basis. But Ted Bundy is the prime example of like, this man will continue to do it. And he will continue to break out of prison and kill and harm other people. And he has to be stopped. Otherwise, he's going to do it again. And he's already done it. So anyways, watch Dahmer, be freaked out by it, but just remember, unfortunately, I do not. I'm also not going to lie. I did not realize that this upcoming Monday was Indigenous Peoples Day, but I I will say, um, I don't want to be like in celebration because I'm not indigenous to anybody um but what i will say is rob and i started watching this new show on hulu called reservation dogs and it is one of the funniest shows i have ever seen it's really not new this is its second season but it is freaking hilarious like it, it's just like a 30 minute comedy and it's about these kids that live on a native american reservation in like oklahoma i think maybe i don't know i could be wrong about that And their dream is to like go to California. And so they're trying to like get money and at first they're trying to steal money and then they're trying to make it like honestly. And it's just like all these kooky characters that come in and it is so funny. Like it's so, I just watched an episode before we got on and it's so cute. I love it. Yeah. Reservation dogs. I think it's like a play on reservoir dogs. Yeah. I've been watching too much. <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. And I'm very, very happy. I am I do not... Here's what I'll say about Adnan. By the end of the Serial podcast, I could not definitively say whether or not I thought he was guilty or innocent, but I could definitively say I don't think he had a fair trial. And I'm really happy that that evidence got... Brought to light. Well, here's why I say that. Because I don't want him to have done it. And I think that listening to the podcast has sort of endeared me more towards him. And I'm like, do I really think that this man is innocent just because I listen to, like, a podcast? Like, maybe if I listen to an entire podcast about why the other guys are innocent and Adnan's absolutely the one that did it, like, would I feel would I be as easily swayed? I kind of don't want them to reopen the trial, but I kind of want them to reopen the case. And just re-examine the evidence oh yeah oh and they had strong evidence about it like it was and that's the whole reason the case got the verdict got like overturned or whatever is because the prosecutors knew that that evidence existed, but they still didn't bring it to trial. Like a prosecutor's job is to determine it. It's well, their job is to determine is to find justice, not to find the, what's it when you're the one that's on trial? Um, The defendant, yeah. Your job is not to find the defendant guilty. It's to find the justice in the case. So, anyways, I hope they reopen it and not necessarily bring Adnan to trial. And if they reopen it and they're like, Yeah, we still have very promising evidence that Adnan's it and we're gonna retry him, then that like is what it is. But I just thought that was very exciting. And that's it's truth in what the chick that hosts Serial, who I actually know her name, and she's more than just the chick that hosts Cereal, but she is a true crime podcaster that I could never be. Like, shout out to her. Yeah. It's truly what it is, is guerrilla journalism. Like her, the guy that did, um, is it Lindsay Payne or Payne Lindsay? <laughs> Paint, yeah, paint, Lindsay. Yeah, it that is like, and now like Hillary Burton is doing it with her whole TV show that she's doing. It's like it's guerrilla journalism is exactly what it is. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I could never be that. And I also, the one with Up and Vanished, like, kills me because he was putting out those episodes as he was finding information. So I'm like, bro, you don't even know what the resolution or if there will be a resolution and you're still, like, putting this out into the world. I mean, I love it for him, but, like, I could never... yeah that's intense think of all the podcasters that they're out there probably doing the exact same thing and they're not making they're not getting any listens any views any money any ads yeah yeah I certainly like it more when it's ongoing and you feel like something can happen as a result. Like when I cover Jeffrey Dahmer, like nothing's going to happen as a result of it. Yeah. Like that story is finished. We're just bringing it, but it's just an interesting story. And so I want to cover it. And same thing with my, well, my story today does actually kind of have a purpose, but it's not like, it's still resolved. Like nothing new is going to happen as a result of it, but it's important to talk about, at least in this case. So exciting. Can't wait. We absolutely should. Some government conspiracy theories. Mine's not light. Well, this one was interesting because... Well, I'll just let you tell your story first. Because I'm the one that suggested this theme... And then I realized, with this story in mind, and then I realized this isn't exactly the theme that I suggested, but it'll work. It's my podcast. I'll let it work. <laughs> there, Yeah, exactly. Yay! This was a great one. I'm so excited you're doing this. I'm not gonna lie, if you had asked me right before this call, I would have bet serious money that you were gonna do MK Ultra or that the government killed MLK. <laughs> you don't wanna get shot or put in prison. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. That is like an intense, that would be like a two-parter that we both cover at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely believe that there's other life forms out there, but I don't know about these like little green one-eyed little creatures flying flying saucers and crap. I'm doing quotation marks. The audience can't see it, but I don't know. Cause then I have to start putting a bra on and that would just be a lot. hmm They make the, I want to be one. Okay. love it. Wow, that is a lot. They couldn't numb themselves with a the TV screen. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. It's all the same. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Rain's my favorite weather. That would make me so sad. Yeah, because there's not, I would assume, if there's, there's no, like, clouds or anything, really. They would have known. It's an alien. Like, crunched? A tinfoil pot lid? Oh, okay. I see what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mhm Right Mm -hmm. Hmm. So hold on, I need just like a quick second because I gotta Google what a weather balloon is and what that thing looks like. It literally looks like a hot air balloon. That's not like pink or something. So, I don't know. The math ain't mathin', that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. yeah that's what I was thinking about because there used to be that ABC family show called Roswell and I think it was like a love story or something but that's what made me think of it Right, 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 mhm. Ooh, okay. Okay. 12,000. Wow. That's crazy. And that's just what we've heard of. hmm Yeah. hmm Ooh. it's it's bigger than 10 miles wide you know it's not rhode island <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you think aliens are real? Well, tell me about it. Tell me what you think. I was about to say the same thing. Okay. Yeah. I think it... So, I have, like, two thought processes. On one hand, it's like, there's no way we're the only ones. Like, quite frankly, just on the eight other planets, right? Well, whatever. Depending on your status on Pluto, even just on the other planets, there's no way that we're the only ones. Now, I know that they have found, like, bacteria and stuff on Mars, and that's technically an alien life form. And that's fine. But, like, I think this whole idea of, like, the the little green dude that's, like, on the surgical table. That has to be fake for the pure reason of the fact that you can prove it was a human imagination that made it up. Because it had to draw on something. Probably just brought me another white clock, God love him. Um, like, because we didn't... I would be curious to, to if you could ask, like, a two-year-old to draw an alien, what they would draw. Because, like, if I were to draw an alien, I would draw on some sort of experience that I've had from, like, movies or books or just, like, imagery. So, you, like, you can tell that somebody is, like, I don't – it's the same thing with the, um, the Demogorgon in, like, Stranger Things. It's just, like, it's humanoid because they don't know what else to draw on. But – and my other thought process on this is – If there is truly intelligent alien life forces out there, they're either just as dumb as we are, or they're super incredibly intelligent and we'll never find out because they'll elude our discovery of them. Like they, if they know we exist, then they're not here to find out. Or they're back in their little alien labs, trying to figure out a way to like breathe oxygen or something so they can take over our planet. But I think they're, but truly I think they're just as clueless as we are. Like they're just over there, bumming around on Pluto or whatever it is, just like chilling, unaware that we exist. Uh oh, 100%. I saw this comedian and I don't know his name. If I ever say I saw a comedian and I can't directly name you the person, or their Netflix special, it's because I saw their TikTok ad, I thought it was the funniest skit, and then I swirled right by it, and I don't know what it is. But he was, is this, um, actually I can't even remember if it was a man or a woman, I think it was a dude, but he was on like a Hinge profile or something, and it was one of those like, I don't believe in any conspiracy theories, and he was like, you don't believe in any conspiracy theories. Like, not a single one. Like, you're just out here thinking that the government's telling you the truth 100% of the time. You don't have an inkling of doubt about anything. Like, 100% no conspiracy theories. And I just thought it was so funny. Yeah. She's, like, fascinated by it. Yeah. I used to think that the Illuminati was like, this <laughs> is so stupid. They had like a really inspirational like Twitter account and they would are not like tw- inspirational, but they would always tweet these like really inspirational like tweets. And I was like, wow, this is so real. And I have no idea if this is like blue checkmark Illuminati or if it's just some like 18 year old that like created an account. But I used to retweet them all the time. And I was like, wow, this is so great. Like, I love it. And then Beyonce did that like Illuminati thing at the Super Bowl and everybody's like, She's in the Illuminati and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Good for her. Like, I had no one. I didn't know any of the controversy with them or the, Mason, the Masons because my grandfather was a Mason. And I just thought, like, it's just a club for old dude. And, you know, once a year there's a spaghetti dinner and I get free spaghetti and I play football in the back with all the other kids. And, I'm like, this is dope. I have a little harder time with those because I'm like, what was his answer? I just feel like that's a sort of willful ignorance. Like you're just choosing to deny evidence. Like obviously the earth is not flat. We would have fallen off by now. We have pictures from space. Like, I don't know. And so I think you're just like, you're choosing to deny real evidence in front of you. Like, I think it's more interesting to be like, are aliens real? You know, that I think is a funny joke. But if I ever met somebody that was genuinely like, they're not real. They're just cameras. I'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> but it is fine to be like, no, the birds aren't real. Don't be scared of the birds. Birds aren't real. I do also. Okay, so this is less of a conspiracy and more of like a government... It's kind of a cover-up. It's more of just like a massive government screw-up and nobody ever took accountability for it. And it got discovered. So my story today is on the Tuskegee syphilis study. Oh! my god so this lasted from 1932 to 1972 it was a 40 year long experiment done to study the effects of untreated syphilis spoiler alert ain't good um in partnership with the united states public health service and the tuskegee institute which is a historically black college and it is now tuskegee university um so my sources today are uh, Wikipedia, CDC, and Mayo Clinic. Those are just like some quick ones. And then I also have Tuskegee EDU, which is the Tuskegee University website. I have the original article by Jean Heller for the Associated Press, which was republished a few years ago on the anniversary. Um, a McGill article by Ada McVean, and then a heavily used Washington Post article by Danine L. Brown, which includes quotes from a James H. Jones book Bad Blood, the Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment, which I did not read, but I'm definitely going to add to my TBR pile, and any quotes that, like direct quotes that I use, are from that book and then like listed in that Washington Post article. Okay, so in 1932, Tuskegee had, which is it, Tuskegee's in Alabama, um, it's a pretty poverty-stricken area, especially in the 30s. Actually, I have no idea what it's like now, I'll be honest. But in the thirties, it was fairly impoverished. Um, and it had one of the highest syphilis rates in the nation at the time. So for those of you who don't know, syphilis is a bacterial infection. It's mostly spread through sexual activity, but not always. And it usually starts with a relatively painless sore or a rash that appears on the affected area. And sometimes people can have a fever or sore throat, like cold, like symptoms. And some people have no symptoms at all. And then it can lie dormant in a person for years without ever developing in any symptoms, which sounds great. But if it's left untreated, it can cause nerve, heart, blood, and joint damage, or develop into neurosyphilis, which can cause brain damage, blindness, and insanity. Yeah. Well, it can. If that, That's one of the symptoms. And so that's why syphilis is really scary, because like some people literally have no symptoms at all, and they can keep spreading it. Um, syphilis can also be passed on from mother to child, um, which had a term and I, I didn't write it down. So nevermind. Um, but when passed from mother to child, it can cause like deafness or teeth deformities, a pre- premature to- premature birth or even like stillbirth. So it's pretty intense. It's very, very serious. So when this experiment started, there was no known cure at the time, and the treatment was mainly done through the effects of arsenic and mercury, which sounds ridiculous to us in 2022. We both know that those are poisons, but it wasn't uncommon in the 30s. So, you know, they're working with what they have. And this experiment was birthed through an Oslo experiment, Oslo-Norway, that took a look at untreated syphilis in white patients or participants. And at the time, it was believed that the effects could work differently between white people and black people. So that's, that's sort of how this gets started. So to further study the effects, 600 men were recruited for the study. 399 had syphilis. The other 201 did not. Of the diagnosed group, half were provided with the arsenic mercury treatment and, you know, studied, and the other half were not. So in return, the men were provided with free medical care that they otherwise would not have received because they were poor, transportation to and from hospitals, hot lunches, and free burial services, which isn't to say like they were expected to die. It's more so like if you die in during the course of this experiment, like, hey, we'll pay for your funeral expenses, which is a pretty big deal. It's, yes. Yes. So I'm going to pause here for a second. As of right now, you have a study on a rampant disease that has no known cure. You need to study the effects of the disease and the, and the treatments in a controlled setting. You have a control group without the disease, a control group with a disease, no treatment, and a group with a disease receiving treatment. Now, you also have a participant group of strictly black men, mostly poor, from an area like yeah, that area has the highest concentration, so it makes sense, but let's be honest, racism played a, turn, played a role in this. Nonetheless, these men deserved to have the knowledge of their bodies and what's being done to them, but they don't because none of them were provided with informed consent. So the participants were told that they were being treated for quote unquote, bad blood, which you can just hear the racial undertones in that. And there were flyers distributed that read, free blood test, free treatment by county health department and government doctors. You may feel well and still have bad blood. Come and bring all of your family. According to the Tus- to Tuskegee EDU, bad blood was a local term that was used to describe a host of ailments, such as, yes, yeah, syphilis, but also it could be like anemia or fatigue. Yeah, it's just like you feel ill, it's bad blood. So Charles Pollard, who was a survivor of this experiment, recalled hearing of free physicals at the local school, went over, was told he had bad blood. He was quoted saying, all I know was that they just kept saying I had bad blood. They never said ph- syphilis to me, not even once. So these participants, which I feel slightly ill calling them participants, but I guess technically they were, even if they weren't willing or informed, they were given physical exams, x-rays, spinal taps, autopsies. Um, they weren't like willfully murdered in the medical, in the technical sense, but it was more of like, if you die during the course of this study, can we perform an autopsy and see what happened? Right. So again, if this was a, an informed consent experiment with a, with a broader participant study beyond just impoverished black men, this is like. This is, this is how um, research trials are done, right? So originally the experiment was expected to last six months. It went on for 40 years. The CDC reported that a decision was made to follow the men until death. The researchers were well aware of who had the disease and who wasn't receiving treatment. That was well documented. So this study started in 1932 and it went on for 40 years. 15 years later, in 1947, penicillin became the widely accepted and available cure for syphilis. So much so that the Public Health Service, who were the conductors of this study, created rapid treatment centers to treat men with penicillin, except for in Tuskegee, Alabama. During this time, dozens of the men had died of the disease, plus their wives and children and anyone in close contact who had become infected as a result. If I have it, like, say I get it from a partner and I have it on my mouth and then I go give like my mom a kiss goodbye, like I could give it to her. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. I know you have to cut that out, but I've been holding that in. (coughs) Okay. So a known cure is found. And it is not provided and the experiment continues for another 25 years while these men are knowingly dying and seeing the awful effects of syphilis. So in 1966, a man named Peter Buxton was working as a public health service investigator when he like sort of became aware of the study. And he filed an official protest on the ethical grounds with the services division of venereal diseases, but was rejected on the grounds that the experiment was not yet complete. And he was like, "Yeah, dude, that's the whole point. Like, the experiment is still going on. It's not like it happened twenty years ago. It's happening now." So a couple years later, he filed another complaint, and he pointed out the political volatility of the study. But again, he was like dismissed. So eventually, he made his way to an associate press reporter named Gene Heller, who did listen to him. And on July 26, 1972, the Tuskegee syphilis study and the deliberate choice to allow men to go untreated for 40 years became the front page news of the New York Times and the experiment was finally brought to an end. By this time, only 74 of the test subjects were still alive. Test subjects, participants, men, sorry. Yes, now... It's been 40 years. So many of them could have just simply died. Right, they could have been 40 and then they would have, yeah, so they could have simply died. But so there were 74 I'm going to get my calculator out real quick cuz I didn't do this. Okay, so we're going to we're going to subtract the 74 that are still alive. So that leaves 526 people that did die. 128 of them were patients who had died of syphilis of syphilis or its complications, plus an additional 40 of their wives who had been affected, and 19 of their children who had acquired congenital syphilis. That was the phrase I was thinking of earlier. So after the story broke, an ad hoc advisory panel was appointed to review the study, and they concluded it was ethically unjustified. Like, no shit, Sherlock. Um, they also recommended that... It's had a couple name changes, but it's what's now the Department of Health and Human Services require um, the public health service provide all necessary medical care for the survivors of the study. So and then in 1975, widows, wives and children were also added to that. So they continued to receive medical care as a sort of like reparation for the harm caused by this study. By the time the article was published and this news broke, it was too late to treat the men with syphilis. So the disease had sort of run rampant throughout their bodies for literal decades. And any damage done to their bodies was too great to be undone. And then also massive penicillin treatment would require, like if you were to get syphilis today, you could go to a clinic, get a shot and you would be done. To reverse side effects that have been going on for at least four, potentially five or six, depending on when you join the study, those side effects are too massive and they would just have caused too great of a risk. A class action lawsuit was filed by the NAACP on behalf of the men and a $10 million out-of-court settlement was reached with the U.S. government promising lifetime medical medical benefits and burial services to all living participants. In 1974, which was two years later, Congress passed the National Research Act, which was aimed at preventing the exploitation of human subjects. And then in 1997, so this is some 20 years later, more than 20 years later, 25 years later, President Bill Clinton issued an apology to the eight remaining survivors, eight. Again, part of that could simply be old age, but eight remaining survivors, stating the United States government did something that was wrong deeply profoundly and morally wrong. It was an outrage to our commitment to integrity and equality for all of our citizens, to the survivors, to the wives and family members, the children and the grandchildren. I say what you know. No power on earth can give you back what your lives lost, the pain suffered or the years of internal torment and anguish. What was done cannot be undone, but we can now in the silence. In 2004, the last surviving participant passed away. And then in 2009, the last surviving widow passed away. There are a few direct children that are still alive to this day, and they do continue to receive medical and health benefits. That was as of 2017, so I'm not sure now. However, so there were 600 men in this study, and I obviously can't name you all 600 of them. But what I can do is name you a few of the men who were not prosecuted for their part in this study because nobody ever was, nobody was arrested nobody was held accountable. Nobody was prosecuted, nothing. No, well, not through the study. Okay. So there was a part that I didn't include where a, a chunk of them, so World War II happened and a, and a chunk of them tried to go enlist in the war and they were told they, they, yeah, so then they were told that they had syphilis and then they went back and the study was like, that's what we're treating you for even though they weren't. And so they were like, we can't do anything about this. Like that's what this experiment is. And There was another part where even after the cure came out so like these men could go to other doctors like nothing was stopping them from like this is in alabama from going to visit like family in memphis and being like hey i have this symptom and getting like a penicillin shot but number one they did not know that they were that they had syphilis and then number two again these men are largely poor they probably lack they probably lack education or access to travel like that Exactly. And the researchers that were living in Tuskegee conducting the study convinced the local medical providers not to provide the penicillin treatment to the men that came in because they were members of the study. And the men who did were like, well, I have syphilis, but that's what I'm being treated for. So why would I go get help somewhere else? Absolutely lack of informed consent. So, like I said, nobody has ever been prosecuted for their part in the conducting or continuation of the study, including Talia Farrow Clark, who is the head of the United States Public Health Service at the time, Thomas Parrin Jr., who helped develop the study, Oliver C. Wegner, who advised and assisted in the study once it became long term, or Raymond A. Vondeler, the on site director and the person responsible for gaining quote unquote consent. From their participants, they were all able to retire and live out the rest of their lives in peace without any accountability. And that is the story of the Tuskegee syphilis study. Yeah. And so at the beginning of the episode, one of the things I talked about is like, this story is done and over with like nothing can come from it, but that's not necessarily true. Like it's, it's really hard for me as a like white woman to recognize that our medical system has racial biases in it because it doesn't seem like it. And this is a great example of it. And I know people are like, 1972 was 50 years ago, but that's not the point. Like exactly. And there is still rampant, um, dis- discrimination against Jews, even if it's not as obvious, it's this lack of care, for black people, for their medical ailments, for it it just because when slavery was alive and well in our country, there were these rumors like black people don't feel pain the same way white people do. Like they're designed for this type of labor. They're too simple minded to have educations and get jobs. It's like all of these absolutely not fact-based whatsoever, but that become rumors. And then these mindsets, they turn rampant and they continue on for generations and generations. And you know that one of these four fuckers that are at the end of this story, you know, they have children, they have children and grandchildren that are still alive and well today. And I don't know any of those people personally. I cannot attest to their, their personal belief systems. But we can make an assumption that at least one of them did not turn out that great. And that's why it's important to talk about these stories. Yeah. They're not taken seriously. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, like, vocalized to still be a thought process. hmm Every textbook I've ever had growing up In my public education science class, every diagram that I see on a doctor's office wall is always a white person. Like imagine being, I mean, I didn't go to dermatology school, but do they even study like different skin tones or different skin, um, not patterns, but textures, like, I mean, is this something that is studied? If you only have a control group, then you're not willing to think outside the box or take in outside opinions or considerations. Exactly. It has to be done over and over again. Exactly. So I think that, that stories like this are incredibly important. And it's just another example of how. Racism, institutionalized racism has continued in our country, even though slavery has been ended, like the end of slavery did not end racism in our country and (sighs) it's tough. And like, I couldn't imagine having to bear this weight and knowing that there are people still out there that think this way about myself or my family. That's awful. Yeah, you are welcome. Actually, all I could think about when I am, um, I don't know if I'm the correct person to provide this type of criticism, but I'm going to do it anyways. But it's like, I read this story and I think of Kanye wearing a freaking white lives matter to hoodie or whatever. And I'm like, that's not the point. Nobody said that white lives didn't matter. Exactly. It's like Black Lives Matter. All lives matter. Okay, so we agree. Black lives matter. I'm like heated. Like <laughs> I'm trying to think of a nice thing to say to end this and I like can't. Yeah, Yeah, it's just not a problem for me and you directly. I mean, it is because I have a happy thing to end on. Election day is November 8th, and it's just a few short weeks away. So if you're fired up, here's an opportunity to do something about it. Yes. And I'm not, I'm just here to say, you don't like, have to like everything about a candidate. You just like, have to like enough. Yeah. Get on Facebook. (laughs) And just remember, like, this is about more, I don't know, like, there are human rights on the table. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a political, like, should my tax dollars be allocated to this school or this school? Like, it's, it's bigger than that. It reminds me of, um, hold on, let me see. I want to, I'm not going to read it, but I want to look up the name for it because I want to make sure. Okay. It's this poem called First They Came by Martin. I think it's, yeah, I think it's name, name I I'm sorry. I'm not German, so I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing that last name, but I think that's a very important, if you've never heard the poem, please go take a look and read at it or read it. And I think that sort of sums it up. Yeah. Neither do I. Yeah. I actually just remembered that um I have moved since the last time I voted, so I need to go change my voter registration. So I will do that first thing in the morning. Yeah, it's great. I love having the <laughs> I saw a thing during um like the presidential election and it was like Um, Of course, the entire generation that got participation trophies loves the voting stickers more than the actual vote. And I was like, yes, obviously. Stick that thing everywhere. Stave it to my forehead. Yeah. And when you're already online registering, go ahead and give us a follow. That sounds like something they could do, and I love that. God bless it. All right, guys. We're going to end it there. (laughs) Bye.